2: Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Joanne Kwai, your host for today. I'm a PhD candidate at Kauten University in Sweden. Joining me today is Adi Kunzman, reader in digital politics at the Department of History, Politics and Philosophy at Manchester Metropolitan University in the UK. And Liu Xin, senior lecturer at the Centre for Gender Studies at Kauchner University in Sweden. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to them here in person since Adi is doing a short visit to Kausta, And I've invited them here to talk about their newly co-edited upcoming book, Digital Politics, Digital Histories, Digital Futures, New Approaches for Historicizing, Politicizing and Imagining the Digital. Adi and Xin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for having us. Shall we begin by some self-introduction? Can you share with us
1: what's your academic background? What has led you to current research interests? Adi? Okay, I'll start first. So I'm kind of a mixture mm-hmm. of sociology, cultural studies, media, politics, ethnography, scholar, and I've been following online cultures and online communication for quite a while. So my research evolved together with how the platforms evolved from forum discussions to early social media to current social media platforms and and so did my questions. So I've done quite a lot of work on online communities including migrant communities and LGBT communities and then I moved to questions of politics and political conflict and political violence and militarization. So this is kind of my entry into digital politics as a field of kind of where where do politics meet the digital? How, how does digital become politicized? How do politics change in digital domains? And then more recently, I began working on um, environmental impacts of everything we do online, including politics.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my background is actually in gender studies. So I've been uh, very much interested in the question of the body corporeality and embodied practices and questions of race and racialization uh, from critical um, race studies perspective and feminist theory perspective so after my PhD I started working on a postdoc project which looked at the phenomenon of air pollution in the Chinese context. So I was interested in looking at the discussions on, like, for example, um, Weibo, like social media platforms uh, about air quality and the kind of body experiences of smog and the kind of uh, changes in environment politics in China especially the introduction of the Air Quality Index and how that's been made public, like as environmental data, and how that also shaped in many different ways um, the Chinese environmental politics and discussions about the air. So I think that's when I actually met Adi for the first time uh, in Gothenburg when Adi was giving a talk on digital politics. And then I started discussing a little bit with Adi my interest in the questions of the environment, air, breathing, uh, so the kind of like relation between the body and the digital space. And the questions like, politics more generally so I think that's how we started our collaboration and that's also my entry point into the digital politics field which might be a little bit different actually from the kind of discussions uh, in digital politics
2: at the moment so mm. yeah uh, this is there perfectly to my actually second question can you tell us a little bit of background how did you come
1: together to co-edit this book okay so maybe i'll start with um several years ago during the pandemic we launched our some online summer school postgraduate summer school series in digital politics and um because it was during the pandemic, we did it online like everything else and very quickly realizing that actually we can reach a much broader much broader audience and much broader academic community by doing it online. So we have organized the first um, and the second summer school. So the first one was on what is digital politics and what are the relations between digital politics, histories and futures. So we brought together uh, a group of academics and a group of PhD students, mostly from uh, Manchester where I am based, and Helsinki, where you were based. Yeah. And kind of as a way to broaden, I think first and foremost, to broaden a sense of a post community during lockdown when you can't go anywhere and you're stuck at home and everybody was stuck at home. But kind of having a, a broader field of discussion, I think. So we've done that. And there were two aims to this summer school. One was obviously to explore what is digital politics as a field. And everybody worked in digital politics broadly defined. We actually have a PhD program at Manchester Metropolitan in digital politics. But what is it? What do we mean by beyond government and citizens? And, you know, is it activism? Is it everyday? Is it how we conscript social media? Is it how we think politically? So there are so many questions and we wanted to address them. But we also had this aim of mentoring the younger generation of PhD students, especially during lockdown and with kind of isolation and all the challenges that came with it, through these questions and also through through the field of academic publishing. So we thought we we're going to have the school, which lasted almost a week, but we also want to have something like a follow up, and the follow up was a publication. So a lot of um, a lot of the contributors to the book are PhD students who took part in the summer school but i think in addition to that we also wanted to open up what is academic publishing what is an academic book what is academic writing beyond a book chapter so we had several um, master classes in the summer school which then turned kind of methodological meditations that became sections in the book so the book is experimental it looks like any other book with a book cover and you kind know, of sections and chapters but it's actually experimental in thinking how do we create knowledge together, how we generate new ideas, how do we help others to take those tools and be inspired and do more, more more research. And then we edited it and had an amazing, slightly stressful but mostly amazing time bringing it to what it is and it's coming out, I think, next month. Yeah, yeah. very soon.
2: <laughs> and what is digital politics then? How are you going
1: to define it since you've edited this book? Oh, well, we... It's more of a question I would say than an answer, so is the question would what can we mean by digital politics? So some of us and myself to a certain extent depart from more traditional, because I'm actually I'm sitting in, in, the, in the department of politics. So there are people who do more traditional political science and then digital politics is things like governments, relations between governments, relations between governments and citizens, voting, democratic participation, e-democracy. And there is quite a lot of research on that, but there is also many more, I find many more spheres where politics take place from everyday negotiations, from emotions, from how we make memories, from how we see the relations between various digital technologies and ourselves. So we o- we deliberately created a place where we don't say digital politics is that. We asked, what is digital politics for you? And we get given opportunity to PhD students who participated to explore what is digital politics for them. And we also had incredible uh, keynote speakers who talked to us about digital politics as a field and its legacy and how it developed but it was more of a, an opening of how do we broaden the sense of digital and political coming together
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe to follow up on that i think part of our um aim of the the book and also kind of experimental form is also to kind of allow for other modes of imagining digital politics and also the field digital Um, broadly Um, because we I think for both Adi and I it is really important to also think about like what kind of not only the discourse or the infrastructures, but also what kind of imaginaries have been kind of promoted as the dominant imaginaries when we think about, for example, questions of digital futures, like can we think about the future without the digital, like Adi asks, what kind of space do we have for digital disengagement, digital refusal, and for me, and more interestingly, I guess would be the question like what is the body of the digital? Mm-hmm. So by opening up this kind of questions, I think it's also a way of approaching the question of digital politics in a different way. And then I think would then allow for other narratives, other ways of engaging with it that might be also very interesting and uh, going beyond the current um, um, fields of analysis. Mm -hmm. And coming to the book, can you walk us
1: through some of the key contributions and what are the highlights? I maybe start with the chapters, which is more traditional parts of the book. So we have several chapters covering, again, different aspects of digital politics. I won't mention all of them because I think, you know, I would love people to see the book and actually read it. But I'll mention a few. So, for example, um, one of the chapters uh, by Laura Savalainen asked about the relations between digital, between data and waste and how we imagine, which was a really unusual, again, an unusual entry point into the political through the lens of the environmental, but also how we think about waste that is immaterial and waste that is actual waste and how we think waste and pollution and how we think about how do we, how do we unpack and apply metaphors of material pollution, environmental pollution to the field of the digital which is very important because the more digital politics we do, the more data and digital stuff we generate the more we pollute so that was one highlight for me another one um is a chapter by Emma and Wanko about digital colonialism and imperialism looking at the d- looking at digital development and digital economy through the lens of coloniality and asking in countries that we normally would classify as post-colonial it, are new formations of digital economy today actually a a new form of colonialism and his work specifically is on Nigeria and more broadly on the African continent but he kind of brings this question again to challenge digital politics and digital economy as a continued but newly dressed form of colonial power so I would maybe mention these highlights I don't know if you
0: uh, okay. Yeah, and I uh, so Adinda I I did also an interview with uh, Athena and Jonathan, who are both like really um, prominent figures in or uh, in digital politics, um, broad defined, uh, and they have done a lot of work on. Uh, for example, digital activism and questions of disinformation and the relation between disinformation or information warfare and its economies. So Adi and I, uh, we discussed and we each um, basically asked two questions. And then we asked them to reflect upon those questions. And these questions uh, include, for example, um, the histories of digital politics or how do you define the field and where do you see the field is going and what are its future um, research topics uh, and what are the current challenges. And we were also interested in the questions of like methodology because I mean there's so many new research areas that previously maybe have not engaged so much with the question of digital and now they are also looking at digital so one example could be like since COVID for example um, the um, uh, studies on you know the health healthcare systems or questions like um, the environmental impact of the, the digital practices they they are all looking at digital and maybe previously they haven't engaged with digital politics in the same way uh, so they might introduce new kind of research methods new kind of research topics and questions that then would then encourage and um, actually I would say necessitate interdisciplinary and cross-disciplinary engagement so we also kind of meditate a little bit on these questions like what kind of possibilities and what kind of limitations um, the current studies on digital across these different disciplinary fields um, might face um, and then uh, I think I was also really interested in like the questions of the materiality of the digital so when we talk about digital, quite often we talked about, like, you know, the discussion has been on, for example, in disinformation, like fake news. But then, for example, Jonathan's work really shows that the, even like, you know, as we talk about fake news, we, we should always also think about the ways in which it's produced within a, an international kind of field of production that include, for example, the actual people who are producing this disinformation, who are actually also um, filtering the information, who are also like doing like very physical work in relation to the production disinformation. So it's a very kind of worker-focused, labor-focused question to approach questions of digital information, and that would then bring into um, the, uh, I would say, spotlight the questions of political economy and the relation of like power dynamics between, I guess, the consumption disinformation and so the producers of this this information Uh, so I think there are like really different kind of questions we try to really kind of like um, bring together but also as a mode of exploring and thinking together in the interview and I guess the hope is also to generate further discussions concerning these topics rather than providing I guess the final answers to for example what is digital politics (laughs) yeah Totally. Yeah. And maybe
1: one, one more thing to add. one of the most fascinating things in the interview were, when we asked them, we opened the interview with the question of how do you see the history of the field? Because digital politics, you know, was, it didn't start yesterday, it didn't start with our summer call. It's been a field and been burgeoning for a while. And was both narrow and vaguely defined and both of the people that we interviewed um, Jonathan Ong and Athena they've worked on it for a while very differently but also with very different intersections so we asked them to narrate how they see the development and um, one of the really interesting things was how many things remain the same but also how much things have changed, in particular for example how Different ways in which um, digital communication could be conscripted for various forms of conflict, national and especially international. So things from cyber conflict and hacking attacks to information warfare to then fake news. So f- something that we know really well today, which is fake news, actually has a longer history of and various forms of suspicion, forms of how information can can become a can become a weapon, become a tool of of um, state violence or intra communal violence. And it was looking back at the field which today I think a lot of these things are quite common, such as we all know what's fake news, we all know that stuff that circulates online isn't just ideas or words. It can also bring actual physical violence, it can mobilize communities against each other, and end up in actual real human death. But it has a much longer legacy of both the military industrial complex government communication developments that become become tool of tools of warfare so to me this was one of the most interesting um, parts of the interview but i think also if you go back to the book and think about what else we did in the book was it was the entire experimental side so we had chapters and in interview and then we had the entire experimental format of the book where we had two master classes so maybe i'll, I'll talk briefly about one of them where we extended the masterclass that took place in the summer School into the format of the book. So one of them was on memory, and it was led by this incredible scholar, Nurman El-Sharif, who is currently based in, in Amsterdam, where she both published her own piece on archives, digital archives, and form of memory, and how we can look at archives from an imagined Kind of point in the future from a future archaeologist Well, we she also ran a masterclass with everyone thinking about what is what is sizing the digital for you what is digital memory for you in each of our projects and we all contributed and we used the padlet which is a simple but beautiful interactive board online where everyone can add different ideas so all the participants of the summer school added their ideas about what is digital history for them and then we created a complex map of how these different different ideas about history, different thinking about archive, different thinking about practices, about methodologies, about ethics, of what is the ethics of researching digital memory, how they connected. And so the publication is actually this big and beautiful map which also exists online as a companion website, but it's a map with different nodes and then different stories if you zoom in on each story. So we found it as a very useful tool of thinking about memory, but beyond that, also a very useful pedagogical tool of thinking about any kind of complex issues where we have multiple approaches, multiple points of entry. So how do we connect them without prioritizing prioritizing one over the other? So we offer this in the book as a kind of tool for teachers and researchers to take it and apply it to maybe other topics within digital politics and beyond to think together about topics that are not very clearly defined.
2: Mm -hmm. And I have a question around that because the summer school sounds super interesting and the experimental part sounds super enticing. And I'm just wondering, how did you bring this very practical something experiments to
1: this chapter and into an edited book? How was that process? That was great fun. I kind of wish Nerman was here because her chapter was the most non-linear. And I mean, I think there's a practical question, you know, having done quite a lot of books, there's a question of how do you take something so interactive into a linear format where you have page one and page two and page three. So she did quite a lot of preparation work. It's... It's great, it's rewarding, but it's also challenging and exciting in the sense of thinking, what do we do with the format of a book? Is that the format that, like is that the format that we're gonna go with in the future? Because I really love your question, you know, if we think about the transition from a Zoom online event, different time zones, different spaces, the same kind of intellectual question, to then this publication which was in dialogue with a website where we had anchors of everyone's stories and a map that we all shared, into then a linear document where we had to have text and we had to have a map. And this chapter came with most instructions for the publisher for how this should look like so we can recreate at least some of the interactivity of the chapter, of the of the map, sorry, in the chapter. And then what kind of... Engagements of our readers might be there, but we're also using a companion website. So the link to the Padlet is in the book chapter, and is will I think it's already there on the um, on the book's website. So it's links. So if anybody goes to the publisher's webpage to the book um, book page, the link to this. Um, this page and another one from another contribution already there so anyone can go and look and click through it and actually get the feeling of this interactive digital tool that they might want to adopt into their other work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
0: yeah so I uh, so Nurming's, uh chapter was one of the master class like Chapters based on the master class, and I did another one. So that one is focusing on the questions of um, imaginaries, or social technical imaginaries. And I think I got so I Adi and I when we were discussing because that was the first summer school we ran. So we were kind of also like trying to figure out what to do. You know, like it's it's all new to us as well, and it's all kind of on Zoom. So we were kind of figuring out how we can do this as best as possible that actually would also like because for me what's so interesting is like I am so much. Oriented, like, you know, my thinking is really much oriented towards the the kind of materiality questions, the, the questions of the body and the environment. And as I'm thinking about how to engage with the digital and thinking about its materiality, I'm also doing everything with Adi online. So we, we, you know, we discuss everything online and the, the entire thing is running online, so it's, it's completely digital. So the question would be like, so what kind of set up what kind of like master class what kind of formats would be possible to then allow for alternative imaginaries that actually would then draw in the the aspect of materiality and what would that look like or even feel like uh, so i think we were talking and then um so i part of like the the my inspiration came from that i don't know if you've seen it the the nose hair um ad campaign in china when like during the, the um, when the smog was really, really bad, there was this uh, ad campaign where people, like you can see people having different kinds of styles of nose hair and that are shaped in very different ways. So it's called the Bi <laughs> Mao So So I thought it's hilarious. Like it's a really interesting way of imagining the kind of bodily um, reactions, but also responses to the changes in the environment. So uh, I so I did uh, with a couple of um, collaborators who who are artists. We we did this funny thing where we. Um we tried to um, make a kite, so like a very simple kite where we would actually make like like something shaped like nose here, like you know, from paper or whatever, to attach it on the kite and the flight in the air. Just it's, it's a way of like translating, also it's also a mode of like translating imaginaries um, across different media, across different uh, mode of um, sensing and understanding or making sense of the environment. And so for this master class I thought well how how we could do it in a way that we could also allow the participants to do something like that, even though we are all doing, you know, things together digitally. Because the, the, the whole point about thinking about reimagining uh, the digital, uh, as, I mean, the current narratives about digital imagine digital is so much driven by, you know, the kind of marketing discourses about smartness, about the digital future, uh, about efficiency and productivity and all that so what kind of alternative imaginaries and that you know not simply one that's narrative uh, about narrative of digital or the future but also something that can be really um kind of bodily felt or sensed in different ways like how we could then cultivate that in our master class so i think actually for me i love one of the things i love most uh, is one group uh, including Erming did it as well? So they they actually made a drawing, so they drew like the um, like a mem like a uh, was it like a a membrane, a membrane. Uh, and then so basically what they did so I was like kind of encouraging like let's try different modes of narrating the digital. So they basically took a clip from like YouTube, like that was showing kind of virtually maybe like some someone's home or kind of like a home modeling or interior design whatever. And then they written a story that's a little bit creepy. <laughs> so it's also kind of like digital is creepy because it's it's a lot about, you know, kind of everyday lived realities of digital. So they kind of also then wrote a story that's a little bit, maybe not so pleasant, but then they had like a voiceover. That's a really kind of pleasant female robot voice. And then on top of that, they, they made joins. So there's like all this different mode of narrating the story of digital and each complicate and trouble the narrative and sense of the other. And that was just fascinating, beautiful. So all our, um, the masterclass, the contributions, they, they kind of basically wrote something either a story used like different kind of narratives of the future or different kind of imaginaries and then they did a reflection on what they had in mind and I thought that was like it's fantastic and it's also a way of thinking about how to talk about digital in different ways and then how to then translate like you said how to translate that from like you know very kind of digitally mediated master class to, to a book and I think the drawing was like really fantastic because it also traveled the kind of genre of book writing. especially Mm -hmm. for like uh, the academic setting so yeah i'll stop here
2: (laughs) that sounds super yeah fascinating as you said i would love to join the master class (laughs) and now i know i have some homework to do and check out this uh nose here.
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> campaign. I'll, send, I'll send a link too it's really funny cool and
2: um, the book is also titled Digital Politics Digital Histories and Digital Futures and pardon my ignorance here but what about the present and how do we bridge digital histories to the digital futures and uh, what's your take on this
0: that's a really good question because we have not talked about it. But I think because we, we talked a lot about um, historicizing the digital in the book. We talked a lot about the future, imaginaries of the future, digital future in the book. And one of the, I think so in my, maybe in the description of my masterclass, I tried to explain why uh, the question of present. So actually, even though we don't really mention the question present, uh, I tried to um, critically engage with it and thinking about the present the issue at hand in relation to digital present is that there are being a lot of critique in terms of like the kind of presentness um that's very specific to the practices of digital the digital in the current era so uh so for example this idea of you know when we like have information like everything is now like kind of mirror in so basically it produces like a kind of endless nextness so next 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 and the information we put in so I mean in many ways we're also generating digital content we are content generators almost each of us Uh, so whatever we generate also in a way feedback to us Um, because of algorithm and because of you know it it, it creates the kind of eco chambers and we see that a lot in like discussions of like politics and in covid you know the debates about vaccination and we see this effect of the digital eco chambers and so so that sense of nextness and i I really like so uh, rebecca coleman has this piece on um I think I don't remember the exact name, but it's this idea of the nextness, and I think she uses this metaphor, which I love. this example of Netflix, where after you've finished an episode, and then I mean, I think a lot of streaming media does that nowadays. And then in the corner, you, you like it says like the next episode will be played in like five seconds or whatever. So you don't actually even need to choose. It's it's in a way so it's it's this next upcoming, but in a way it's not. It's a very preemptive present because you are basically stuck in this moment now so basically it feels like time is not folding or it's not it's time is unfolding and in a way so it's impossible to really talk about past and future if what we actually have if all we have is kind of stuck in this moment where the time no longer unfolds so i I think for me so to think about that questions of historicizing the digital and as a way of i mean historicizing is actually a way of critically opening up the present it's also a way of uh, opening up the future questions And, and for me so for example if i by historicizing the body of the digital, I would then be looking at because historicizing is really teasing out the contingencies. And I think without the kind of contingencies, you know, if everything is just next, 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 basically preemptively ordered for you, then it's also really impossible to think about the multiplicities of the present which I think is really important, especially considering digital politics. An example uh, to think about the historicizing the body of the digital, I would then open up the three different layers, which I consider like the first layer would be um, to think about body would be to think about like how the digital is made sense corporeally or bodily. So, you know, we can think about not simply how echo chambers are created or not simply how digital information is received, consumed or produced, but also how these are produced in embodied ways so we can think about questions of labor which then must be a historicizing question concerning the political economy of digital labor. So that's an important aspect in my opinion. And then the second part would then consider the material cultures in which the digital is created, that could be digital technologies, that could be energy use, natural resources and all kind of like tools they use to create the digital. Like now we're sitting in this really nice podcast room, which I've never been before. And it's super exciting. And I think, you know, so we think about the kind of like the body of digital in different ways. And then the last part would be, for example, the body of the data. So the question is like, what constitutes the body of the data, and we can think about digital waste or waste of data. But also a question like, how is data stored, um, and what kind of temporality is such the body of data constitutive of? Is only I mean, is the data only constitutive of the present, like the kind of feed loop, this, this coming back and forth of the mirroring of data that's only now? Or can we think about the data of the digital, the, its body in a more kind of historical, but also future in sense, and what would that future <laughs> look like and how would that then inform our understanding of the present mode of digital production? So, I'll stop here. <laughs> Adi. It's all, and
1: I think you absolutely spot on. Just maybe something to add that, you know, when we think when we think about history and future and one of the things that you notice I think building up on what you said one of the things you notice with the digital is how quickly histories are forgotten because everything is developing so quickly and there's always innovation and the next one and always the update and upgrade and there is something which I remember thinking about a long time ago when digital moved much slower with blogs and I, I was thinking about political kind of reflections on, on reports on pol- political violence and whether they'll stay what kind of memory will they become when the blog is running as you know, so the the newest newest is on the top and it kind of keeps scrolling up so things get very quickly go down and very quickly get buried under new updates. And that was honestly 10, 15 years ago when things now I realize move much slower so today they move much, much faster so tweets disappear and you know like there's this whole guidebook of how long will your social media messaging live like what what's the lifespan of a tweet versus a Facebook post versus a reel versus a story but all of them move really fast. And so that creates a kind of temporality of amnesia where everything is always very new, always, like you say, the next there's always already the next one. And I think it would be interesting to couple that with a lot of policy and digital innovation, all of which is future-oriented. So all of which talks about digital futures and future-proof something and future-proof something else. And it's kind of like, that's why I really appreciated your question. It's kind of like the present is not there because... We, uh, we're always already rushing to, to sort out and put away the what we said five minutes ago, which is already history, because we're running forward, but then there is that longer distant future, which signals that we're not there yet, so digital futures are around the corner, but they haven't arrived yet. So there is something which I think we only started scratching the surface and in a sense, we see this book as an invitation to keep digging at what actually kind of really messed up and new emerging temporalities are we living in where, for example if you know the field of digital humanities that's growing and it's all about digitizing, digitizing, preserving records, but very often due to, for example, lack of space or lack of um, resources, physical objects like books or reports or zines will have to be gone because there is nowhere to store them. Preferring this digital archive, which the assumption is that it will be much, will stay much longer, will be much more durable and much more accessible, and maybe in some sense it is. But with, there is something about we're forgetting our past really quickly, we're disappearing things really quickly as we digitize them, because in addition to being too much and constantly updated and constantly out, like things are already out of date. They've only just came up and there's already a new update. You only just bought your phone and you already need a new one. So things are all like they're aging in our hands. But I think there is something kind of together with it, something that always troubles me. And this is how I came to work on questions of environmental impacts of the digital our the, the material kind of material parts of our digital technologies, h- hardware, computers, are actually very vulnerable. They become obsolete really quickly and they're environmentally vulnerable. So they're dependent on electricity, which if you have a power cut, they dependent on data sensors, which what if data center is flooded? So I am struck actually by the sense of how digital isn't that long-living as we imagine it to be and is actually very vulnerable to something that maybe hasn't happened yet but might because there will be even more shortages, there will be electricity cuts, there might be other flooding or other so-called natural disasters which will make our digital memory work disappear really quickly all the while we've both abandoned and forgot how to keep kind of memories in alternative ways so it's a really long detour to say that there is something about not almost not having a, a ground under your feet and not having a present the present in your in in our now because it's always either already history or moving towards some kind of new future
2: Mm -hmm. I want to rewind a little bit because I've asked you uh, the definition of digital politics and uh, you were telling me this is basically an open question. You are sending out this invitation to have this discussion what digital politics is. And I was just thinking, is there politics without digital nowadays?
1: I would love to have an answer to that question. It's not, I'm not trying to get out of answering your question, but this is a question that I raise a lot. Can we imagine what we do now and in the future without the digital? And now on a serious note, can we decouple how we think about things without the digital? So I think in, to answer your question, on a practical level, I see less and less space of doing politics without the digital or imagining futures without the digital on my own Conceptual, and I think this is also where a lot of our joint work intersects, conceptual thinking about the future just kind of can't imagine divorcing itself from the digital. So I would paraphrase your question into can we imagine politics without the digital, but also can futures be, do futures have to be digital? And maybe, and then I'll kind of pass it on to you, maybe one more way to think about this critically is to think about how political spaces have become so digitized that the possibility of opting out of the digital or doing things in a different way or not being digitally included are shrinking. And this is something that I worked on uh, in another project on digital disengagement with Esperanto Miyake, where we, we wrote about shrinking spaces of opt-out in pretty much all spheres of our lives, such as education, such as healthcare, and such as citizenship and relations between citizens and government, where even if you would love to not do politics digitally, you can't. Because this is kind of where both politics and policy and services are going. And I'll just give one example of your government where a lot of public services, I think here way more than the UK, but in the UK as well, are digitized and you simply cannot do them non-digitally. And the luxury of not being subjected to kind of state services and state power is only reserved to those who are very privileged. So the more dependent you're on the state, the more you have to use digital tools whether it's digital welfare, whether it's border applications, whether it's any kind of other governmental services. So it's a long answer to your question of we seem to not be able to imagine politics non-digital, and I think it goes to the question of the crisis of imagination as
0: well. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I maybe just to follow up on that, I, I think I like that question a lot, and I think I would also add to the question. Um, I mean, uh, for me what constitutes politics is also always an open question. So I'd like to then ask what is the political politics or what is the political digital politics? So to also maybe link it up to the question present um, is that the, the, the kind of present, the nextness also functions in the sense that it preempts the future. So the next is never really next, what is unpredictable, what is uncertain, but the next is actually already something we must already know. So in many ways, I mean, if we think about big data and you know, the promises of big data, often it's this, the kind of promise that, okay, we can help you to anticipate what's coming. Anticipate, you know, especially in relation to like um, environmental crisis, the kind of uncertain, like, you know, the more and more kind of um, unpredictable weather events. Um, that's because of like climate change. So that's the the digital modern big data is kind of like delivering promise. Like we can provide digital solution to climate crisis. Um, And I think, so for me, to kind of circle back to the question of the digital politics and it's like, what is the political of digital politics? I'd like to ask what kind of digital logic, what kind of data logic becomes built in what we consider as politics in this moment. And I think without opening, addressing that question, for me, it's also like, it's really important to think, you know, about the space with or without digital, but also in what way has maybe the data logic become a kind of, you know, the, the dominant narrative and the framing, the vocabulary through which we can actually imagine politics in the, in the current moment. And one example is, uh, for example, the. Um, what was I thinking? The the um, um, natural disasters, for example. So so like now, one of the big discussion is like mega cities. So if I one example is um, uh, heat wave, but also uh, last year wasn't it? last year or the year before in Zhengzhou, Hunan, the big flood. I mean that that was so interesting because Hunan, like Zhengzhou, is like one of the city that's very much digitized, um, and because of the flood like overnight like you know all things digital stop working (laughs) um and then also like one of the uh, question that i i tried to i think we we gave a presentation last year and i tried to also show that um because in china like you know the cash free payments uh using um WeChat pay and all that. They all stopped working. People couldn't charge their phones. So um, many people had to resort to like old ways of like, you know, if I exchange my cigarette, (laughs) my package of cigarettes with you, maybe I can get like uh, whatever water from you or something. So, you know, resort to like old ways of exchange, but also um, in terms of like the crisis management. So both the, there was this, like Zhengzhou was actually one of the, for cities in China, I think if I remember correctly, that implemented this uh, flood warning system, a very kind of digitized one, plus the kind of tunnel, um, it's kind of like digital mobility, so looking at the, the tunnel traffic, like the subway. Mm-hmm. And both have failed to deliver their promises once the flood hit. So in a way, I mean, even though the kind of the whole crisis management, the whole kind of natural disaster crisis management is built. Through with the vocabulary of the digital, the logic of digital, and the promises of digital, but I think also it shows the vulnerability of the digital. But also, you know, it really compels the question: like, like, do we perhaps, or or can we, or what kind of possibilities do we have to also allow for? I'm not saying we, we have to do away with the digital completely, but can we allow for multiple um, logics, vocabularies, from frameworks, um, thinking in our understanding of the politics? be that environmental politics, be that um, like politics in terms of like activism, justice, questions of environmental justice, questions of like inequalities? like can all of this include more than digital logic? and what then would that look like? so i guess that's my that's my answer <laughs> to Yes, this. Yeah. it's
2: really leaving me a lot of like food for thoughts and i'm just wondering you mentioned the digital politics as a field and how do you see this field have
1: been evolving and where do you think uh, it is going to Well, it's been, I think there is digital politics as maybe some handbooks define and then what we think of digital politics, which probably quite different. So there is a more traditional digital politics field, which is things like participation, democracy, government, citizens, very much within political science, and kind of looking at digital, digital how digital emerges and, and and where does it fit into political science as a discipline. And then I think there is the insane and creative and complex, very interdisciplinary work that pretty much all the contributors to the book and definitely the two of us are doing which is asking much broader questions about what is political. And, you know, having traveled between different disciplines, I find that these questions are answered. They're also answered really beautifully within political science with very specific definitions of what is political, as well as by... A whole other range of social sciences and humanities where things of the political and also activism and art are uh, answered very creatively and very openly. And I think the vision of our book is more than anything is that kind of digital politics. So it is not to say politics is everything and everything is political because that would basically become really a move. but it is to think, I think, to kind of, to, to bring back what would you mention on, on how what kind of promises what kind of political promises are being given through the digital what kind of political encounters can we have with the digital what kind of political forces shape the digital what kind of politics can digital help us imagine otherwise so I'm not sure if it's answering your question because it's such an amorphous field and I would hope this field to grow more interdisciplinary and trans and cross-disciplinary and that includes both dialogues between very particular disciplinary canons such as international relations or politics with the canon of communication with the canon of sociology but also thinking because the digital itself doesn't know disciplinary boundaries, it doesn't care it's everywhere so how can we bring a dialogue that uses those different conceptual tools to think collectively together
2: Mm-hmm. And I've taken uh, much of a time and I have this one last question. You've touched on, upon this already. So can you share with us what are some of the current
1: projects you're working on? So, uh, well, there are several. So we continue working on, on summer schools and we currently work on... Um Two related things. So one is um, a book on smart cities, and a lot of what we discussed today, such as what do smart cities promise and what actually happens in smart cities, is going to be in this book. We've only just started, but we're very much, uh, very much discussing it, and we're more specifically looking at environmental promises and kind of the relations between smart cities and the environment. And the other one is a new book series which we have just launched. The two of us and another colleague, Grin and the uh, series is called digital materiality sustainable futures which you know which we already mentioned in the workshop uh, last week which aims to bring precisely this kind of interdisciplinary conversation into how do we see the relations between digital very broadly defined and the environment and climate in a way that goes beyond solutionist logic of certain specific environmental problems that can be fixed by digital tools. How can we think about more broadly? And our aim is to do both interdisciplinary academic work and work with artists. And I think the workshop that we ran last, last week was a little preview of that of how can we incorporate creative tools. But that's kind of our joint enterprise and the Smart Cities book.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of things. I mean, I I, I love video games so I that's <laughs> always one of my work I'm looking at the kind of um, uh, both in terms of like how norms are produced in video games mm-hmm. especially concerning the environment and the digital but also like the kind of um, um, monetization of our attention and boredom in different kind of mobile games so that's part of my project but I'm also looking at the kind of practices where for example um the various kind of datification or digitalization and financialization for us go hand in hand and it creates a different sense of understanding of asset or what constitutes asset or forest as a mode of asset, model asset uh, rather than simply providing resources and how that then have implications for our understandings of, like, for example, carbon sink or debates about, you know, forest role in, in um, combating climate crisis. So, so I'm really interested in then looking at how, for example, remote sensing practices are done so I'm following developers and looking at how, for example, digital map is created using remote sensing data and what kind of processes are taking shape and what are the kind of questions and challenges and issues that arise from that um, so yeah so maybe I'll I, I mean yeah I'm happy <laughs> to talk more about but the, but these are some of yeah. the issues that maybe relate more closely to the mm-hmm. digital and environment questions and
2: I look forward to invite you back uh, and talk about your future research outputs and thank you again so much for being here today and to our listeners thank you so much for listening you can check out at these um, digital politics blog and connect with Xing or me on Twitter the links will be shared in the show notes thank you so much until next time